Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So I had somebody the other day say something to me that I was actually kind of caught off guard by. Not so much caught off guard, I just, I was a little bit surprised to hear it, but I guess I kind of understand where it's coming from. Uh, This person said to me, looking ahead to the start of spring practice, he said, I'm actually glad that Arch Manning didn't come to Georgia. Now, I hadn't really thought about Arch Manning very much. Obviously, we spent this time about a year ago talking about Arch Manning a lot. The big-time quarterback at that time ranked the number one prospect in the entire country, the five-star. I thought he was going to come to Georgia. Seemed like for a while he might. Then right there early summer made that commitment to Texas. And listen, no disrespect to Arch, and this is not sour grapes, I don't think, or anything like that. I just sort of moved on. Georgia went on to win another national championship, whether it did or didn't have Arch didn't seem all that interesting to me anymore just because whoever Georgia had seemed to be working out pretty well. Stetson Bennett kind of ends his career as a historic figure. The next in line at quarterback at Georgia will probably be pretty good no matter who it is. More on that coming up in a moment. I just hadn't thought much about Arch Manning. But this person said to me, I'm glad that Arch Manning isn't coming here because the thought is not that Arch Manning is or isn't a good quarterback. Frankly, we don't really quite know yet how good Arch Manning's going to be at Texas. That's going to be a fun competition to watch with Quinn Ewers. It's kind of taking place right now. Steve Sarkeesian has spoken out about that. And we've told you something about that, uh, of what Sarkeesian's had to say about that competition between Ewers and Manning. But the statement that was made to me about Arch Manning was more along the lines of, it'd just be too hysterical. It'd be too high-strung. It'd be too kind of going in the direction of what Georgia football just hasn't been the last couple of years. You know, Georgia has been, I think, a program in which so much has been decided on the field. The sort of typical hysteria of who is coming here as a recruit, who isn't coming here as a recruit, that stuff just doesn't seem to matter as much anymore. That Georgia seems to be fine kind of no matter who it has, that that Georgia just seems to be in pretty good situation there with that and I'll say the same thing about like a Dylan Riola if Riola goes to USC if he goes to Nebraska if he goes to Georgia don't most of us just sort of think that whatever Riola chooses to do Georgia's just going to be fine and the same thing with Arch Manning a year ago Manning chose not to go to Georgia I don't know how many Georgia fans are like gosh it'd be so much better right now if Arch Manning was here at UGA I think the results on the field have kind of changed all of that so I say all of that to say this here for a moment that next week, Georgia begins another quarterback competition. We've seen a few of these over the years in the Kirby Smart era. And I think because of what Georgia's done on the field, winning national championships, and frankly doing it with a quarterback that almost no one expected to have that level of success, that sort of sets up a mindset that I think should exist for Georgia fans where, hey, the stakes in all this are actually probably pretty low. You know, all of a sudden now, You don't have to have a real high stress level. The person that talked about Arch Manning kind of creating sort of a hysterical quarterback competition because of how famous his last name is. You actually don't really need that at Georgia moving forward going on, you know, anymore because you've already shown you can win back-to-back national championships with Stetson Bennett at quarterback. And there's certainly reason to believe that whether it's Carson Beck or Brock Vandegrift or Gunnar Stockton, they could be as well set up for the future to keep on winning those national championships as Stetson Bennett is these last couple of years. And I think that is probably the truth. I think that's probably the right thing, is that Georgia fans have spent plenty of time, both in the 
recent history and kind of, you know, not too distant past in the early days of Kirby Smart. Georgia fans have spent plenty of time in the past kind of at each other's throat as it relates to a quarterback debate, a quarterback argument. That's just the nature of the position. It generates a lot of hot takes, whether you're watching, you know, Skip Bayless on Fox Sports One or Stephen A. Smith on ESPN or just hanging out with, uh, you know, your friends at a tailgate. Quarterback talk seems to generate big takes and, and at times intense debate. But for Georgia, surely by now, given the success the program has, has had, whatever goes on with Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff and Gunnar Stockton shouldn't be nearly as contentious as previous quarterback discussions that at times turn into arguments with Georgia fans should have been. There is no Arch Manning here. There is no famous last name. There are just three really talented guys who are getting ready to go into a competition with each other. Uh, different fans may prefer different guys. But ultimately, this is the kind of thing that Georgia fans starting next week, I think, ought to be set up to start having some fun with. And, you know, knowing that whichever quarterback emerges is probably a pretty good quarterback playing for a very good team. And all of this is just good entertainment and not the kind of thing that anybody ought to get all that worked up about the way that you might uh, would get worked up if Manning were here. By the way, more on that in a moment. We'll do this later on the show. I'll kind of give you a little bit more proof on what I'm saying about Arch Manning, but just kind of put a pin in that for right now. So. That's kind of the stage of where things are with this quarterback competition uh, at the moment. However, one of the guys in the midst of this competition, one of the trio, and one of the, the dudes that's probably thought to be maybe the slight favorite, if not slight favorite, maybe the favorite, but at the very least a slight favorite to emerge as the Georgia starter, that's Carson Beck. Why do we say that about Beck? Because Beck's been here the longest. Beck was the number two quarterback a year ago. He would seem to be next in line, and that sort of next in line position gives him at least first shot to kind of take the reins of this offense here this year. But one of the things we've also talked about, you know, uh, a little bit as of late is, okay, well, how do recent changes with the Georgia program kind of change this for Carson Beck? Because, listen, if you're leading a golf tournament, you don't want it to start raining because all of a sudden that brings a little bit of change and a little bit of a new scenario in play. If you're leading something, you want the circumstances to stay the way they are and just keep rolling right on towards the eventual outcome. And in a quarterback competition, you might say the same thing of, hey, if I'm the number two, if I'm next in line, then I want to keep my offensive coordinator. I want to keep all these things in place because this is already an environment that I've been kind of thriving in. Well, that's not the situation at Georgia. As you know, Todd Munkin leaves. He goes on to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Mike Bobo steps in as offensive coordinator does that have any impact on Carson Beck at all some of us have kind of wondered this what does it mean for the guy who was number two the guy who'll choose this year's number one is a different guy than the offensive coordinator was a year ago well it just so happens that Carson Beck has recently discussed this Beck was a guest on you've heard us talk about the players lounge before we've had on Aaron Murray and Keith Marshall some of the guys that helped found the players lounge Beck was a guest on a players lounge podcast I saw this on uh, YouTube when I post the show, the the full show later on at DogNation.com, our podcast, I'll put a link to this YouTube page so you can go watch uh, the interview for yourself. I believe our buddy Connor Riley has a story up on this there as well. You can probably see the link to that video there in that too. It's kind of a wide-ranging interview. It's worth going to watch the full thing. Obviously, we don't have time to play uh, you know, a full interview. You need to go watch it for yourself to see the full thing. He talks about uh, Carson Beck's belief on the quarterback competition and you know what he thought about Todd Monken and all, all kinds of really cool stuff from Beck. The, the, the idea of now he's sort of the old man figure in this quarterback room the way that uh, Stetson Bennett would have been before. Beck says a lot of really interesting things in this interview. You should seek it out and find it. 
watch the full thing for yourself with our friends at the Players' Lounge to be able to kind of see this for yourself. But there are a couple of things I want to highlight from the interview, in particular this. As we said a moment ago, um, if you're Carson Beck, all of a sudden what's supposed to be, in your mind, your year at Georgia, where you take the step from being the number two quarterback to become the number one quarterback, all of a sudden there's a new set of circumstances in place. All of a sudden, there's a new offensive coordinator. You've been working with and learning from Todd Monk in these last couple of years, but now it's Mike Bobo who's at the helm. And some people, I think, have wondered, and at times maybe I've kind of wondered this a little bit too, does that have a negative impact on Beck's chances of kind of ascending to this starter's role here at quarterback at Georgia? Well, Carson Beck actually had an answer for that. And what we find out from Carson Beck in the midst of all this discussion is, is that he actually already has developed what sounds like a pretty good relationship with Mike Bobo and it actually started before last season was done I think this is really interesting stuff from Carson on his new offensive coordinator ahead of uh the start of spring practice next week with the players lounge this is Carson back talking about his early impressions of new Georgia offensive coordinator Mike Bobo take a listen to this yeah no I I really like coach Bobo and uh, whenever uh coach Faulkner left last year Whenever he went to Tech, um, Bobo worked with us for a few days leading up to the national championship. And I was like, I really like this guy. You know, he worked the hell out of us. Um, our indies were fast-paced, up-tempo. I was like, okay, like this guy, he knows what he's doing. Um, and then obviously when he got named OC, I was obviously very excited about that because it's like in-house, you know. It's not like we're taking somebody from out. So I'm like, okay, we might keep some of the same stuff. Obviously, he's going to put his spin on it. Um, but not going out of, you know, our organization and keeping someone that has been a part of Georgia for such a long time, you know. Um, I really enjoy, and obviously we've met and talked, but it'll, it'll be a lot of fun, and I think our offense will have a new spin on it for sure. I like a lot about that statement. I think there are a few things you ought to pull out of that. First of all, Carson Beck expresses a level of comfort with Mike Bobo, comfort of having spent time with him comfort from having seen Bobo take on a larger role with this team at the uh, time in which uh, uh, Buster Faulkner was leaving to go to Georgia Tech. We know that Faulkner was on the field for the national championship game, but I guess in some of those practices leading up to that, maybe Faulkner was in Atlanta getting ready for his new job, and so therefore Beck got more exposure to uh, Mike Bobo. So as you begin spring practice here right now, according to the words that you're hearing from Carson Beck in that statement, that there's already there's already a level of comfort conversation since then but a little bit of time to work together in practice this is not a guy that 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 Carson Beck feels the need to introduce himself to or be introduced to Beck sounds like he sort of feels like he already knows Mike Bobo which I think could be a valuable um commodity for him as he tries to win this starting job later on this spring here's the other thing too we all obviously know that Mike Bobo because he spent a lot of time here at Georgia and because of how successful Todd Munkin was is that Bobo is a little bit of a lightning rod type figure. You know, back in the day, kind of old school football conversation, anything, anytime some, anytime anything didn't, something went wrong for Georgia, you know, it seems like Bobo was there to kind of take the brunt of that criticism. The easiest thing in football is to always kind of criticize the play caller because a play call that doesn't work is obviously frustrating for fans. So Bobo got some of that at the time. There was a little bit of, I don't want to say controversy, but certainly intense debate around Bobo's hire when it was made and yet you hear from Carson Beck in that clip now you may say what else is he going to say he's going to say good things which is maybe true that's fine but nonetheless Carson Beck acts like the hire of Mike Bobo for Georgia was a good thing or maybe more specifically he acts like the hire of Mike Bobo might be a good thing for him specifically which I 
kind of find to be pretty interesting. It seems like he's receiving that news pretty well and kind of enthusiastic about it. And then at the end there, this is where, you know, Beck maybe kind of gives you, I guess, the strongest opinion of, of anything that he says there in that particular clip. He goes on to talk about what this might mean, the fact that Bobo, who had been here this past year, now steps up as offensive coordinator. He says, I like the idea of holding on to some of the things we've had had here in the past, obviously our architect of that being Todd Munkin, added to Mike Bobo maybe putting his own spin on this offense. I had to tell you, I kind of like the idea of all that there as well. To me, that sounds like a pretty good way to construct this Georgia offense here this year. A lot of what Todd Munkin had in place here at Georgia clearly worked. A guy like Mike Bobo watching this unfold the last couple of years, bringing some of the best of Munkin into 2023. Why would you not want to do that? Seems like you probably would. But Mike Bobo is also an accomplished coach in his own right. A lot of the Georgia offenses that he led were quite successful here at UGA, including his last Georgia offense in 2014, which is still the high water mark uh, in terms of, uh, you know, points per game you know, total in the history of Georgia football. Some of those concepts that Bobo has being added to this could be a Georgia offense that's both very difficult for opponents and very fun to watch. And I think that Carson Beck's words there, his enthusiasm, his excitement about playing with Mike Bobo, playing for Mike Bobo, is the kind of thing that I think that fans ought to want to notice. I think that's really good stuff in the players' lounge with Carson Beck there on that. Then, let me give you one more thing here for a moment there as well, because one of the other topics that come up in this particular interview is the fact that over the course of the last few years, Carson Beck has just chosen to be really patient. He's chosen to stick it out. He's chosen to hang here at Georgia. And as Aaron Murray, who's the uh, grand inquisitor on this particular interview, as Murray points out, hey, a lot of the guys around college football the last few years, you can got, look, go and look at the facts for yourself. Huge number of four- and five-star quarterbacks end up transferring away from the program they sign with. Thus far, Beck kind of stands as one of the rare outliers, someone who's chosen not to do that here thus far. I think this is a very fair question. It sets up an interesting answer. Carson, how come so many guys have transferred, but up to this point in time, you've chosen not to do that? What's that about for you? What makes you different than some of your classmates when you came to college football or some of the guys who've been elite recruits in the years since then, what makes you different than that? Why have you stuck it out here at Georgia? Once again, from the Players' Lounge, good stuff. Carson Beck on his decision to remain at Georgia and kind of stick it out. Here's Carson. Obviously, I came here for a reason in the first place. So kind of obviously things don't go your way sometimes, like you said, and waiting isn't the first option, as you just clearly stated with the you know percentages of people that have left and quarterbacks that have left. But um for me, I don't know. Like, like I said, um, I came here for a reason and, you know, obviously the situation didn't work out the way I wanted to, but it's not my plan. And at the end of the day, you know, things are going to work out the way they're supposed to. And I feel like, you know, the knowledge that I've been able to gain and watch two really good quarterbacks and Stetson who have really good two last years, you know, um, kind of just develop underneath that and make sure that when I do finally get my chance that I'm fully ready and capable for anything that might be thrown my way. We had one of our video commenters, I think it was yesterday, say that we should take the audio of Nolan Smith from his press conference, part of the NFL scouting combine, and play that for all these quarterbacks. Nolan made the pitch of, hey, don't just transfer at the first sign of trouble. Stick it out. He said, are you going to transfer on your wife? going to transfer on your kids? Are you, are you, are you going to just – tuck tail and run in life as an adult when you're out of college uh because things get hard are you going to stick it out then well this is the time in which you learn to stick it out and kind of 
you know, handle adversity and do what's hard and compete for playing time. Nolan Smith had really strong words in this the other day. We actually played it on the show, and somebody suggested, hey, maybe that, that audio ought to be played for these quarterbacks. What well, sounds like in the case of Carson Beck, he's already heard that, or at least he has that sentiment in his own head there too, which is, I want to be the starting quarterback. And I got no problem with Carson Beck saying, hey, I want to be the starting quarterback. I expect to be the starting quarterback. It hasn't worked out for me thus far in, in that respect. That's just That's just real life. That's just... You know, that's just reality is that I'm here to win this job and I hadn't done it yet. Maybe at one point in time I thought I would and it didn't happen. And now I get my chance and I'm going to give it everything I've got on this. I think that's very candid, very honest remarks from Carson Beck. And as we pointed out a number of times here, you know, it might be true and it might be wise to understand that actually staying at one place and seeing it through to the end might actually be a lot more incentivized than you realize because you can point out all kinds of transfer quarterbacks, including guys who've transferred here to UGA, who ended up not quite having the career they thought they were after that transfer. Whereas guys, and one of the names we mentioned a lot here is Mac Jones. You know, Mac Jones didn't bounce around. Mac Jones at Alabama didn't go somewhere else. And while it remains to be seen how good of an NFL quarterback he's going to end up being, he was a first-round pick, and he was a national champion, pandemic year, but nonetheless, he was a uh, national champion there at Alabama. That was the reward he got for sticking it out. He was buried on the depth chart. He came in the same year that uh, Tua Tungavailoa did. Really, no one thought Mac Jones would be the guy to kind of rise to the level that he did at Alabama, but sometimes patience is rewarded. And maybe for Carson Beck, who's had plenty of time to transfer from Georgia, maybe eventually his patience will be rewarded there as well. Or uh, maybe it's a guy like Brock Vandergriff, who hasn't been here quite as long as Carson has, but he has been here himself when he's had opportunities to go other places. Maybe it's his patience that gets rewarded. Either way, I think this is going to be a great quarterback competition for Georgia. I think it's going to be fun for fans to watch. And there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, this guy's my preferred choice or that guy's my preferred choice. There's nothing wrong with all of that but ultimately the stakes for Georgia in a situation like this are actually pretty low it's already shown you can win back-to-back national championships it's going to be the favorite to win again this year no matter which of these guys emerge so let's be entertained by it let's watch these guys put the best of themselves on display we'll see it for ourselves on g-day we'll hear it uh in terms of how it's discussed in some of these spring practices when it's all said and done whether it's Carson Beck or one of the younger guys nipping at his heels uh Georgia should be in a pretty good position as far as the quarterback position goes here in 2023. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Meriwether and Tharp, and we are happy to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, or on the radio at noon, on Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref, and as a podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com, uh, Apple, Spotify, everything else. Uh, just so happy to have you with us for what we are doing today. And a big thanks to our friends from Meriwether and Tharp for making it all possible there as well. They are your source for Georgia divorce. When you hear me say that, I know what your question is. B, why are we talking about divorce? Oh, you know, that's a that's a loaded word for a lot of you, either because you've been through one, you're fearful you might go through one, or you view it as this really challenging time for your friends who've gone through that same situation. I'm not here to dispute any of that. It is a scary, confusing word. It is a word that brings a lot of at times, negative weight with it. Totally understand that. But also, it's a situation for, in an audience the size of ours, a, a portion of our audience dealing with this as a reality in their life right now. And you know this. Reality has got to be confronted. You know, you've tried everything you can to save the relationship, and I think you're wise to do that. But after all those efforts, all those attempts, if it's just irreconcilable, if, it, if it's just the kind of thing that's not going to be able to be put back together, 
then discussing the next step, setting yourself up for a happier next season of your life. That is really important. That's what our friends at Meriwether and Tharp are all about, because the law here can be leveraged to your benefit. There are things to understand about the law that can protect your finances, that can protect your relationships, including that with your children, and, and and really put you in a position, as I said before, to be happier in the future than you might be right now. And that is obviously a very valuable thing, taking advantage of every day you're given. Clearly, you want to do everything you can to do that. And that's what our friends at Meriwether and Tharp give you a chance to do. So I want you to find them online, the theatlantadivorceteam.com. That's the theatlantadivorceteam.com. Have that free initial consultation with one of their attorneys. I know people who've used their services. I know people who didn't want to get divorced but felt like they needed to, felt like they had to, and now they're happier now because of the way in which Meriwether and Tharp has kind of walked them through all of this. And I do believe genuinely, sincerely, they can do that for you too. So please find them online. The Atlanta Divorce Team.com. That's the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. They are your source for Georgia divorce. All right. We're going to talk to Terrence Edwards here coming up in just a couple of minutes, and that's going to be fun. Always great on a Thursday. We'll do some of the quarterback stuff with him when we get there. Uh, prior to that, I want to kind of follow up on what we just heard from Carson Beck with the Players Lounge. You know, on Tuesday on our show, we had former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm on the show. Now, Jake's a guy that has hung around the Georgia football facility a good bit, I think, since his Georgia career came to an end. He knows some of these guys, really, I guess all of them personally. Um, And on Tuesday, we had a really fun time. And I think it's worth going back and hearing the full interview from Jake Fromm on our show from Tuesday if you haven't had a chance to hear that yet. But we just kind of went through each quarterback in the competition. Obviously, Carson Beck is a guy that gets a lot of attention because that's the guy a lot of folks assume will emerge as the uh, starter here. But both Brock Vandergriff and Gunnar Stockton, I believe, are going to be heard from in a big way on all of this. So on Tuesday, a guy who knows the position, knows the program, knows these guys personally and individually. I asked Jake Fromm, hey, walk me through each one of these guys. Tell me what they bring specifically into this competition. And I thought Jake's words on this were really very good. So if you don't mind, I want to go through each quarterback in the competition here for a moment, starting with Jake Fromm's assessment of what makes Carson Beck a formidable challenger in this quarterback competition. This is Jake Fromm. He brings the arm. He brings uh, the life uh, to this this deep play-action attack. Uh, Carson's a guy who can make all the throws on the football field. Um, and, you, you, you know, as a coordinator, as a play caller, you're not going to be scared uh, to call these deeper shots. Um, and and you, you're going to want to be aggressive because you know you have a guy in the offense who can make all the throws. Uh, and a guy who's been around, has experience, has gone in and played in games. Um, and even though it wasn't necessarily the most ideal situation, going in the way he did up big in games and still being able to move the offense, get down and still score points, um, to me that says a lot. I love the way that Jake Fromm describes there. He's used a couple of interesting words. Something to the effect of Carson Breck brings Beck brings some life to the Georgia offense, that if you're an offensive coordinator, you've got Beck as your quarterback because of the way that he does throw it. And we don't have to be quarterback scouts ourselves or a former quarterback like Jake Fromm to recognize some of the video things we've seen from Beck or in moments when he's been in the game. This is a guy that's very comfortable throwing it. Jake says he can throw the ball anywhere on the field. And so therefore, as an offensive coordinator, you're not scared to push any button. You're not holding back part of your playbook because you're not sure Beck can make the throw. You have the belief that Beck can make every throw, and so therefore you are willing to be aggressive with your play calling. I think it takes a former quarterback to understand how fully that might be true. I think that Jake gives a pretty thorough assessment 
of what Carson Beck, who we just heard from a moment ago, brings into this quarterback competition. But how about another guy here? How about Brock Vandergriff? Vandergriff was the highest-rated recruit of this trio. He's been kind of working as number three quarterback this past season, now stepping up for his chance to maybe prove worthy of being the starter. What does Brock Vandergriff bring to this quarterback competition? Once again, here's Jake Fromm. So with Brock, I think what you get is a, a bigger-bodied Stetson. Right, you get a guy who can get out of the pocket, make plays with his arm, with his feet. Um, a guy that uh, you get some uh, zone read opportunities. Uh, you get into the red zone. You know, design quarterback runs like we saw in the national championship game with Stetson. So, with Brock, you kind of get very similar of a, a same offense. A guy who has an arm as well um, can make the, the same throws. Um, and so, you know, with that, you really kind of get more of, of what you've seen with maybe uh, an arguably maybe a better athlete. So I think that's also in its own right kind of an interesting s- description. And if we operate from the assumption, well, Carson Beck's the favorite because he's the number two and he's the guy that you know a lot of fans seem to be lining up around right now, then this is the kind of thing that Carson has to match or at least come close to matching if he's going to truly emerge as the starter. You, see, you hear from Jake Fromm right there, a pretty you know profuse level of praise for Vandegrift's athleticism, calling him bigger-bodied Stetson Bennett. Well, let me ask you this. How many times over the course of the last couple of years were you glad to have Stetson Bennett's athleticism? I think there are a number of times when his ability to keep the football and run with it, not just scramble to keep a play alive, but also run and getting positive yardage, there was plenty of time when you were happy that you had that. There was plenty of time in which that athleticism was incredibly valuable. In fact, one of the things we've heard from the Georgia coaching staff you know, in kind of this transition of the new year is, is they look at mobility of a quarterback as being kind of a deciding factor of, you know, can you move around? Can you show that athleticism? You know, can can you bring that extra dimension to the quarterback game? It's one of the things that gave Stetson the nod over JT Daniels, and it's one of the things that I think is going to be viewed as pivotal in this quarterback competition too, which is not the same thing as saying, therefore, Vandegrift's going to win it, but it is the same thing as saying, hey, if you're a Gunner Stockton or if you're a Carson Beck, your ability to come close to matching the athleticism that Vandegrift is capable of showing, who is very, very capable with his legs, your ability to do that is going to go a long way towards determining if it's not Vandegrift who wins the quarterback competition, how athletic moving around with his legs can the eventual winner be? I think that's probably a, a fair kind of view of that that you get from Jake Fromm. Then finally, Gunnar Stockton, the other guy in all of this. We talked about Stockton on the show the other day. My belief that Stockton is probably more in this than kind of the national media observer might assume, given the fact the national media observer is trying to observe everyone in the nation. They're just not quite as plugged in to what's happening here at Georgia as many of us are going to be. And they, I believe, are in for a surprise when they start hearing about a third quarterback in this discussion to go along with Brock Vandegrift and Carson Beck, two guys that have posted Heisman odds right now. Uh, Stockton is also, I think, in all of this too. Uh, What does Gunner bring to this competition? Once again, here is Jake Fromm. I love Gunner. See, me and Gunner, I, I kind of see a lot of myself in Gunner. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy who's not going to blow you away necessarily with his arm. A guy who's not going to blow you away with his feet. Uh, but a guy who's just going to play good, sound football. Who's going to be? He's going to get the offense in the right situations uh, and play good football. Um, he's going to complete balls. Uh, he's going to play tough. He's going to play physical, um, and he's going to play confidently for the offense and, and move the chains and score points. So. Um, I mean, with Gunner, you get a guy who, who is, is really smart, a guy who's going to know this offense, know everything in and out, uh, and always get 
uh, the offense in the right situation um, most of the most of the time and, and and make the right play most of the time. So I think that Jake Fromm's description, and he's not really favoring one guy over the other, but I think his description is really fair there. And if you've got Carson Beck, who's just an amazing thrower, you've got Brock Vandegrift, who's an amazing athlete. You've got Gunnar Stockton, who brings a level of physical, mental toughness and a level of intelligence. Does that sound like a great competition? And, you know, one guy's maybe got a little bit more of one thing than the other guy does, and this guy's got a little bit more of that than that. But doesn't that all sound like the kind of competition that could set up to be really entertaining for us and eventually produce a really stout, strong winner there as well? And I'm pretty ambivalent about who it might be. Maybe it is Beck because he's been here longest, or maybe it's somebody else because of some other factor. But one way or another, I think it sets up to be a really, really good competition. We'll talk to Terrence Edwards more about that in a moment. First, let me remind you, there's also time for you to enter for your chance to win a great Marlowe's Tavern VIP insider lunch that we're going to be doing coming up in just a few days. You've heard me tell you about this by now. It's going to be taking place on Tuesday, March 21st. Uh, it's going to be myself hanging out with John Stinchcomb. Of course, John is our Dog Nation insider from Marlowe's Tavern. You always get a chance to hear great things from him on our show. And during this lunch, I'll have a great chance to have a fun private conversation with him there as well. In fact, we're going to have four winners. We each get to bring a guest to this special lunch coming up on Tuesday, March 21st. The Marlowe's there in Dunwoody taking place at noon. It's going to be an unbelievable time. And your chance to uh, win on this uh, continues. So go to dognation.com. Click for your chance to enter. We'll be taking entries all the way through March 14th and then announcing the winner on winners on March 15th. So go to dognation.com for more on this. We got a VIP insider lunch coming up at the Marlowe's and Dunwoody on Tuesday, March 21st. I'm going to be there. John Stinch going to be there. And you have a chance to be there as well. So go to dognation.com for more on your chance to win on that. All right. So earlier I talked about hysteria around Arch Manning. Before the show is done, I'm going to give you a little bit of evidence that kind of proves the point that I was making. And we'll talk about the fact that Georgia recently had a decommitment. Uh, that's worth kicking around here for a moment there as well. But for now, Spring practice next week, continuing the quarterback conversation, everything else going on around the dogs. Let us talk to former Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards here right now on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. All right, so we'll bring on Terrence Edwards here, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Always great to have Terrence as a part of the program. Terrence, before you joined us, we heard a little bit from Carson Beck. He was interviewed by the Players' Lounge, thought he gave some good stuff and, and even more good stuff than we, we just played. You can go hear the full interview yourself there and uh, check that out. Uh, we also heard Jake Fromm from our show on Tuesday kind of breaking down each of the three quarterbacks in this competition. Let me ask you a question. I'll put you in the spot here for a moment. Do you favor one guy over the other right now based on what you think you know about them? I favor Carson Beck right now only because of the experience that he he has. I know it's not a lot, but he has a little bit more game experience than the other ones, and that goes a long way. Uh, but talent-wise, I just think Gunner, to me, talent-wise, what he brings to the table with his athletic ability to run the football and to throw the football, uh, to me, that's who I would love to see. Uh, but it's going to be an interesting battle going into spring and now that you know Mike Bobo is in control of the offense I think it's, it's more of a traditional wide open competition I think probably with Monken he probably would favor Carson a little bit 
But with, with, with Mike, I think it's going to be a true open competition and the best man wins. So what you just said is something I'm all probably of the belief of is that if I'm Carson back, I'm probably a little – like my instinct I think would be a little bit more nervous because, hey, the guy that I've been with the last couple of years not here anymore, now it's Mike Bobo. But we just heard from Carson on this, and the fact that Bobo was here last year, the fact that Carson got a chance to work a little bit more closely with Bobo leading into the national championship because Buster Faulkner wasn't around quite as much, that all of a sudden maybe that kind of takes what might be a challenge, new offensive coordinator, and in the case of Carson Beck, he says, hey, I'm actually a little bit more comfortable with this. This is a guy that I actually feel like I do know a little bit. This is not kind of some sort of cold you know, voice from outside the program. This is a guy that's been here and, 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 and you know, been around what we're doing. I'm sure privately Carson Beck would probably say, I wish Todd Monk was still here. You could understand why he might feel that way. But it sounds like he's got a level of comfort with Mike Bobo that's actually maybe a little higher than I thought it might be. And the fact that Bobo's been around and been with him seems to 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 be a, a, a positive factor in the eyes of Beck. What do you think about that? I think so. I think uh, it is positive that the quarterbacks actually have a familiar face that they know, and it's not somebody that just is completely new. Uh, but I'm very interested in how much communication any of the quarterbacks had with Bobo because when I'm there, uh, Bobo's normally with, uh, Brian McClendon with the receivers, and he floated around. And like Stetson said, he didn't have much communication with, with Coach Bobo while he was there. So I, I don't know how much uh, Bobo actually worked with worked with the uh, yeah worked with worked with them. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes with with them. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, one of the things that we've also kind of talked about a little bit too is is that over the years, just at different times, including recently, whether it be the JT Daniels, Stetson Bennett thing or whatever else, uh, you know, Georgia fans have sort of found reason at time to sort of argue with each other over the quarterback spot. You know, quarterback brings a lot of hot takes. Fans love the debate. TV's always debating about quarterbacks. It's just one of those positions that brings out a lot of opinions and a lot of strong takes here. I sort of hope, Terrence, and maybe this will end up being <laughs> the kind of thing that does end up being true. I sort of hope, though, that for Georgia here right now, this is the kind of quarterback competition that doesn't bring on any kind of negativity. Like, to me, this is just fun. You've got three quarterbacks who all three seem to be uh, excellent at a different area, and it's simply a matter of let the best man win. And, frankly, I'm pretty ambivalent about who it ends up being. If it's Carson, I think that's great. If it's one of the other guys, I think that's great there, too. I don't have a lot of strong feeling about who I think it should be or who I want it to be. I, we may have lost Terrence there on that, so uh, I'll kind of tap dance here for a moment so we can get him back on. But the point I'm going to ask Terrence about is, is I don't uh, necessarily have a strong feeling about this. You heard me say this a moment ago too. Is I think you kind of be okay, sort of talking to to anybody, or, or be okay with sort of any of these quarterbacks emerging to me this is just the kind of fun competition that you let the best man win and you don't have to kind of draw battle lines on this terrence thanks for being back with us uh the question i was asking you is is that do you think that we can avoid with this quarterback competition the kind of like negative arguing that seemed to go on sometimes with like jt stetson or maybe from fields years ago or maybe other examples of the past to me this one doesn't seem to be one of those quarterback competitions where you necessarily should expect a whole lot of negativity. Is that fair in your mind? I think it's fair, but I think it's, it's, it's never going to be negative amongst the players. But yeah. we all, you know, we all, we, we know that there's going to be a, a part of the fan base want a certain quarterback, and it's always going to build back and forth. It doesn't matter what the, the data or the statistics say in, inside the building. 
fans are going to want who they who they want who they believe is better, and 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 I can understand it. And a lot of times it, it gets a little frustrating because they they just looking from a fan perspective and not a coach's data. Because I, I can tell you this, there are going to be second level data that that's going to go into this competition to show that which quarterback has absolutely won the job. And not just it's not just going to be from a spring game. It's going to be from uh, the leadership in the weight room. It's going to be how the meetings are handled. It's going to be from spring practice. It's going to be the spring game. It's probably going to go into fall camp. Um, so it's going to be a lot of lot of talking, a lot of data, a lot of uh, who has command of this team and this offense. It's going person is going to win a job. But from the fans' perspective, I, I still believe there's going to be negative fighting amongst who should win and who shouldn't win it. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. And I guess this is one of the tough jobs for a coach there too, Terrence, from the standpoint when the Georgia players are interviewed during spring practice, they'll be asked about quarterback. I can already tell you right now what they're going to say. They're going to say something to the effect of, oh, we just feel like all three of these guys give us a chance to win. And all three of these guys are just outstanding. And everything is always equal and everything's whatever. You know how that goes. That's the way the player simulator kind of coached up to speak. But my guess is, though, that behind closed doors – while you say it won't create a division and any contention among the players, I believe you're probably right about that, players do have opinions, right? I mean, the players who are watching these guys competing each and every day, the players sort of have their belief as to, to who's doing the best, whether it be these three this year or two guys in the past or whatever else. Players do form opinions about this kind of stuff during practice, don't they? Oh, most definitely. I mean, you just look at the, the – uh fanfare from the players that Stetson got. So those players understood what Stetson brought to the table. And uh, there's a lot of fans that still don't believe in Stetson after winning us two national championships and he's done what he's done. Those players are there every day and understand what the, the player brings to the table. So the, the love affair for Stetson from the players was real. That wasn't fake. That wasn't uh, something that they was told to say or just the PR standpoint. That was real. So those players will, from their body language, from the way they speak, will tell you uh, which quarterback they prefer. And that's the point of playing quarterback. Stetson won over the team. These quarterbacks have to win over the team because when you win over the team, these players will fight for you. And you can see that those players fought for Stetson. Um, and Nolan said it all the time. You know, Stetson is his quarterback. And one of these quarterbacks has to win over the team. Uh, let's change the subject here for a moment. I was talking to wide receivers a little bit on one of the shows earlier this week, and one of the things I kind of find interesting is is that when you look at the two transfer additions, Ra Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett, Georgia actually has on its roster at the wide receiver spot or the pass catching spot, if you will, uh, for twenty twenty three, four of the top seventeen receivers from the SEC a year ago. Terrence, to me, on paper, I don't know that Georgia's ever had a more prolific collection of pass catchers coming into a season than it has right now. Now, obviously, we know how good Brock Bowers is. He's kind of a part of this but even if you push Bowers aside for a moment and you, if you just look at Lab McConkey, what he did for a full season if you look at what Rara did at Mississippi State what Dominic Lovett did and I still don't think people are fully acquainted with themselves how how effective Lovett was in that Missouri offense a year ago without much of a quarterback to speak of throwing the ball uh you know you look at what you know Arian Smith did in the in the Peach Bowl against Ohio State and Marcus Roseby Jackson I think quietly had a pretty good year last season too better than some folks might have realized to me this seems like the best collection of receivers Georgia has ever had on paper to begin a season under Kirby Smart. You obviously know better than I do. What do you think about this group here right now? You know, I, I think you're 100% right. I think from top to bottom, that room is, is loaded with talent. Um, I, I, I think there's been times where 
the top of the, the list is, is better. I think with Jermaine Burton and George Pickett, it was probably a little bit better just talent-wise. But from top to bottom, um, this this team is loaded. And you just look at, and I've said this before, you look at the receiving class that he brought in, it was about downfield speed. And if you if you trot out Arian Smith, uh, C.J. Smith, you talk, you trot out Anthony Evans, and uh, the other receiver from Philly, I'm pretty sure that that is a four-by-one team that the track team will have problems with. That's yeah. how fast they are. So th- this team is, has gotten faster on the outside. Um, Lad is not slow. Lad is one of the fastest guys. So um, you can see where Kirby is going with this. He, he understands uh, the dynamic that those guys have to be. I mean, you look at Ohio State, that the dynamic that they bring when Alabama was a few years ago, having four first rounders at that position, having that type of guys open up everything, and you know, it's, it's having a generational tight end helps as well. No, I think that's exactly right. And to kind of follow up on the Lovett thing here a little bit too. How much of Dominic Lovett have have you watched? I know you love watching film of these guys, and how much of a different dimension do you think he has a chance to provide to this Georgia offense? I think he's going to bring a, a dynamic playmaking ability from the slot. I don't think we have had uh, since probably Isaiah McKenzie. Um, he he is a guy that I've watched. I mean, I, I've watched him when we played up. I, when we signed him, I went back and watched some of his stuff on YouTube. And he's a guy that's going to be able to control the middle of the field just with his playmaking ability. Um, now you really have another guy uh, that's different from Brock that can control the middle of the field, different receivers, different body type. And then you add the playmakers that we have on the outside. That's just going to bring a, a whole different dimension to their offense. And you've got to be able to have guys that can uh, take the top off defenses because you have two guys that control the middles, the safeties, or you're going to give up the deep ball or you're going to come down on dig routes or sit routes and try to cover Brock or dummy. So it's, it's put off defenses in a unique situation to having guys that are downfield threat and guys who could control the middle of the field we'll let you go on this we just got a uh, pretty impressive collection of performances from georgia guys in the nfl scouting combine last week when it's all said and done i know we talked about this some last week um how many of these georgia guys there's potential for five of them i think anyway how many of these georgia guys do you think eventually emerge as first round picks next month who uh i i you know Jaden carter definitely yeah uh the left tackle, Brock, yeah. Broderick Jones, I think will slip in the first round. Uh, I also think we have two more that's possible. I think Nolan yeah. probably played himself back into the first round. And I think Darnell has a, a outside chance to be a first rounder. And Keeley also have an outside chance right. to be a first rounder. So if I just had to bet my money on it, I think we <laughs> – and this is going to sound like a spades game. I think we got two in the possible. <laughs> Terrence, I like that. That's a, that's a good way to say it. I like that. Uh, that is a good way to say it indeed. Well, I know you've been working hard with uh, that bubble training here right now, getting these guys ready for their own high school spring practices and getting ready to move on that next phase of their career there as well. So for people who want more of the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy and the stuff that you're doing on a daily basis here right now each and every week, how can folks get more information from you? Oh, you can find me on all social media platforms at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, great stuff. Thanks for your time, and we'll uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. 
This is SEC Through. Yeah, I think that you know Terrence says a lot of interesting things there, especially when it comes to the draft, in that like right now it seems like, hey, sky-high evaluation of Nolan Smith. That's likely to stick, I would say. Uh, I think that Broderick Jones with the athleticism has probably proved himself to be a true first-round pick. And obviously tons of praise out there for Darnell Washington, which is great to see. Uh, you know, the discussion is going to continue around Keely Ringo. It seems like right now there's a lot of positivity around these guys in the first round of the NFL draft. And I believe in many cases that's likely to continue. you got Pro Day coming up next week, and uh, obviously that'll be a part of the discussion too. What you'll also see around some of these other prospective first-round picks is, is they'll have their own chance to earn buzz. They'll have some of that there too, is that there is a nature of some of these Georgia guys, you know, that I think they still kind of feel like swing prospects a little bit. In other words, you know, you'll be watching intently closely on that Thursday night in April to see how many of those names really do get called. And I hope it is five. It'd be awesome to do back-to-back years for Georgia having five first-round picks. That's that would, that would be incredible. And watching how this debate continues from here after the emphatic statement made last week at the NFL Scouting Combine, uh, that is going to be a lot of fun. And speaking of having a lot of fun, how about cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Obviously, we're getting ready for our own Dog Nation cruise coming up, and it's been really fun to watch all of you talk about the your own Royal Caribbean cruise you got ready to take. We're going to have one of those for our Golden Shoe a little bit later on. Uh, we highlighted already for Golden Shoe this week. One of our uh, Dog Nation daily listeners and viewers on board a uh, Royal Caribbean cruise ship. I believe our own Kaylee Mansell. I believe she's on her cruise ship here right now, not to put her business out there, but I believe that's the case. So we got a lot of folks enjoying some great Royal Caribbean cruise vacations. And if you've heard us talking about this, it's time now to Make your own decision. Get on board a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. We're going to be on Independence of the Seas next month, right there around the NFL draft time for our second ever cruise with Dog Nation. And you can take your own cruise and make Dog Nation be a part of it. A lot of you, when you go on these Royal Caribbean cruises, and I love it when you do this, you share that uh, picture with me, that social media uh, kind of connection with me. And I love to see the fun that you're having. And if you want to schedule your own, book your own Royal Caribbean cruise, time now to reach out to our friend Jessica Slater, great travel agent, 770-718-9147. 770-718-9147. I still haven't shown the picture. Jessica and I were actually, this was kind of a coincidence. It wasn't planned. I think the issue is she takes so many cruises. I take so many cruises. We were bound to be on the same one at some point in time. We were on uh, uh, Wonder of the Seas together a few weeks ago. We took a picture together. So we'll have to put that on the uh, screen here at some point in time. Uh, but anyway, you can call Jessica, 770-718-9147, and she'll get you hooked up. Maybe at this point in time, it's probably a little late for the Dog Nation cruise, but obviously all kinds of other cruise vacations you can get going on that spring break summer vacation heading towards holidays or january of 2024 the debut of icon of the seas that's going to be awesome uh that's unbelievable experience you're going to get a chance to have royaldogs.com you can find out more about what jess has got going on for you there too royaldogs.com all right let us now get ready to go cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean nick saban seemingly has been out in the media a whole bunch as of late and some other comments of his that are getting some attention right now is kind of a forceful defense of Bryce Young. He calls Bryce Young his point guard and basically kind of pushes back against anybody at the NFL draft evaluation level who thinks that Bryce Young's too small to succeed as an NFL quarterback. And he kind of made a little bit of a statement. I don't have the full quote to read to you. I might have to paraphrase this. But something you know, of the effect of, hey, you see the guy with the prototypical size, the prototypical arm strength, and yet he didn't win anything in college. What's the explanation for that? And listen, I'm in total defense of Nick Saban on this. I think he's absolutely right. Some people sort of thought this was a subtweet of Anthony Richardson. Even if it was, that makes me only like the statement that much more. But it's not just because I'm like a Gatorator, although I proudly am. 
I think that what Saban is saying here is both right and B, I think it's the right thing to do. And you don't hear me say Nick Saban does the right thing very much, but in this particular case, I believe that he is. Here is what I think coaches ought to do. Coaches, unless they have a very good reason not to, they ought to stand on the table for their guys. And that's one of the things I love. You know that audio we played for you? It's like two weeks ago now. But we played the audio of Brandon Staley talking about Jamari Salyer and the uh, benefit that Salyer brought to that uh, Chargers offensive line this season. And in the midst of that comment from the NFL Network, Staley talked about calling Kirby Smart. And Kirby Smart was like, I am telling you, I promise you, this guy is in good physical health. This guy can do what needs to be done. Now, Smart's going to tell the truth in a situation like this, but he's also going to stand on the table for his guy. So in the case of Nick Saban, listen, there's a lot of things that Nick Saban does that I think are a little bit weaselly. But in the case of this particular thing, yeah, I want you to support your quarterback. I want you to be out there, not just saying nice things when you're asked. I want you volunteering information of you're an idiot if you pass on uh, Bryce Young. What was the thing that uh, – you know, one time I said about Michael Jordan about, you know, hey, you know, listen, you need a center, you draft him, you play him at center. In other words, sometimes you just got to sort of argue for your guy. In this particular case, I don't mind Saban arguing for Bryce Young. And I also just believe it's true, which is that, hey, if my guy produced in college, that ought to be all you need to know. And Bryce Young clearly did. He had, what, 47 touchdown passes in 2021. And if all the prototypical size and height and arm strength – if all that's supposed to work, then how come it doesn't? Because there are plenty of guys who sort of look like, you know, quarterback built in a factory. They don't do damn thing in the NFL, and they didn't, you know, do it, uh, you know, at the college level either. So I think Nick Saban's right to ask if if that prototypical stuff works, and how come it doesn't? Uh, I, 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 I think that's a very fair question to ask. In this particular case, rare instance of me siding with uh, Nick Saban. I saw where, do you know who Dusty Dvorak is? This is a tweet that got sort of tweeted in my orbit um so Dvorak is a radio host on Sirius XM radio not necessarily the the ultimate tastemaker for college football but he was out there kind of talking about LSU it was kind of a dark horse team that could win the national championship this year and it's more the opinion than the opinionator that that are interesting to me on this this is one of the rare examples I think right now of anybody that we hear maybe we'll hear more of this kind of stuff this summer because we're going to see preseason magazines start coming out and you know, everybody kind of moved truly into their sort of hot take time of year, talking season, if you will. So maybe we'll hear more about LSU at the time. But I think it's really interesting that thus far, early days here of 2023, we haven't heard much in the way of LSU, who's going to be a preseason top 10 team, who is the reigning champion in the SEC West. We haven't heard much talk about LSU being the team that Brian Kelly year two that could take the next step. The other day, ESPN had, what, like eight different riders who uh, put out their playoff picks. We had tons of those guys that picked both Alabama and Georgia being the playoff. At least one guy picked Alabama, not Georgia. Uh, but we didn't hear anybody from that ESPN crop the other day that picked LSU to be in the playoff, which is kind of a small sample of opinions. But nonetheless, it's reflective of something that thus far, people sort of think that the LSU thing from a year ago is kind of a one-and-done type deal. But honestly, I'm not quite so sure when that has to be the case. Uh, you know, here's what I think. To, to me, the best path for LSU this upcoming season is I think they ought to try to find a way to play both quarterbacks. Um, there's a level of athleticism that Jaden Daniels has that makes him very dangerous. When Jalen Carter is not picking him up and throwing him over his shoulder like a sack of potatoes, Daniels, when healthy, can be a pretty effective quarterback with his leg. But you saw in the second half of the SEC championship game, Garrett Nussmeyer is a very dangerous weapon when he throws the football. If LSU can find a way to play both those quarterbacks together, A, it keeps Nussmeyer from transferring, but B, 
it just gives you one more thing for opposing defenses to think about. I've told you before, I'm not quite so sure that LSU doesn't have two quarterbacks better than anything Alabama has on its roster. And for an LSU team that beat Alabama a year ago, are you left to conclude that anything about that victory looked like a fluke? And if LSU can beat Alabama, well, who else uh, you know, couldn't they beat from the SEC West? I still think there's a chasm between LSU and Georgia, no matter how good the Tigers turn out to be. But frankly, there may be a chasm between Georgia and Alabama. Uh, based on what we kind of see Alabama bringing back this season there as well. So the point on all this is I am not willing right now to make a case for LSU being a second SEC team to go along with Georgia and make the college football playoff. But I do think that given the fact they did win the division a year ago, uh, they are being under-discussed. And if you're going to make the case for Alabama kind of restoring itself in the SEC West and finishing as the final winner of the SEC West – you better be able to give me some inside information on quarterback. Either you know a guy like Ty Simpson may win it, or B, if Simpson does win it, you know how good he can be. Listen, maybe Ty Simpson's the next whoever. I don't know. Uh, Alabama's had a pretty good string of quarterbacks here. Maybe Simpson's the next one. It doesn't appear that Jalen Milrow is. Uh, so so I, I don't know what that means. But if you are really touting Alabama right now, which some of the folks seem to be at the expense of LSU – you are really putting a lot of faith in your ability to make sense of what it right now is a totally unknown variable, which is how good Alabama is going to be at quarterback. I, I talked about the Arch Manning thing off the top of the show that I had some guy tell me the other day that he was glad that Arch Manning didn't come to Georgia because of the hysterical nature of the quarterback competition that might produce. If you want a little bit of evidence for how true that is, let me show you this. Football Scoop is a website that I like. They typically cover coaching moves i don't know this is a little bit of a different kind of story for them but nonetheless i saw this tweet and i was like i'm not quite so sure i want this at georgia a uh, football scoop writing on march 8th texas braces for the most hyped most insane quarterback battle in college football history i think i can probably do without that uh i'll take the quietest most you know uh tamest uh, you know, most uh, low stakes quarterback competition at Georgia where the eventual winner will be just kind of tabbed to go out and win a third straight national championship. I, I think I'll take the relatively low stakes of the Georgia quarterback competition. Can I just say that one more time? Uh, I just want to read this one more time. And then what uh, Zach Barnett from Football Scoop calls most hyped, most insane quarterback battle in college football history. That sort of seems like one of those like uh, pull quotes you'd put above the uh, title in some movie poster. I don't know that I want hype and insanity right now. I just don't because I'm not really quite so sure much hype and insanity would serve George well. The lack of hype, the lack of insanity around Stetson Bennett seem to be a pretty good things these last couple of years. And a quarterback cut from similar cloth for Georgia moving forward, maybe that's not quite such a bad thing either. Listen, and this is not like sour grapes on Arch Manning. He may go along he may go on to be great. We don't really know. I mean, I would have told you when he was maybe on his way to UGA, I still didn't know how good he's going to be. This is not an anti-Manning take, uh, but famous last names have a way of producing a certain sort of TMZization of uh, the, the college ball conversation and hype and insanity around Georgia. I think I probably could do without that. So that's that's a little bit of a thing to bolster the point we made early on in the show, and we'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I want to talk some UGA recruiting here in a moment. We'll do more of this on Friday show with Jeff Sintel tomorrow. But first, I want to show you this cool thing. You've heard me kind of do this with you before. I want to make sure that you're aware of this. 
So if you live in the Athens area or anywhere around the state of Georgia, you may have heard of Jittery Joe's Coffee. Now, this is 100%. Is it Arabica? Is that how you say it? Arabica coffee? Uh, you know, it comes from a, a great part of the world, you know, famous for uh, making great coffee. Colombia, Nicaragua, Guatemala, these are places where those great coffee beans are uh, are made, uh, grown, I guess is the right way to say that. Uh, the Arabica beans, Jittery Joe's, famous for kind of sourcing the very best coffee you can get, and that's what's made Jittery Joe's such a beloved coffee brand for such a long time. But now they're partnering with UGA to kind of take this to the next level. This is an officially licensed commemorative tin with Jittery Joe's coffee on the inside celebrating the Georgia back-to-back national championships. You got the back-to-back logo right here. You got the power G there on the top. If you kind of roll this can around, you see, you know, information about the back-to-back champion dogs, the uh, schedule stuff here, there as well. This is the kind of thing that even after you enjoy the coffee, you'll keep this tin, you'll put it on your shelf or your basement, wherever else. You'll kind of do this forever. This is really, really good stuff from our friends at Jittery Joe's. So if you go to jitteryjoes.com, you can pick up your official commemorative tin. A lot of you want as many different collector's items as you can get to celebrate the back-to-back national champions for Georgia. Well, Jittery Joe's has partnered with UGA to give you one more great option here, this commemorative tin from Jittery Joe's. Check out jitteryjoes.com for more on that. All right, with that said, we saw a decommit yesterday in the class of 2024, running back to Vonnie Mizell. This is a four-star. This is a guy that a lot of people really like. I think he is a good player out of DeMatha uh, Catholic up there in Maryland. This is, I think, a good player. Uh, but it seems like the relationship with Georgia, yeah, this is him on the screen. First of all, shout-out to uh, Mizell for not using the Notes app. This looks so much better than the regular Notes app thing does. Uh, you know, It's not super uh, you know, technologically advanced, but much <laughs> – and by the way, also <laughs> – Shout out as well for making a shorter statement because when we do the decommitment thing on the show, it's always one of those things where we, we, we read the first sentence of the decommitment, we read the last sentence, but everything else in between, uh, we kind of skip over. This is just sort of straight into the point. He says, I'd like to announce that I'll be decommitting from the University of Georgia. My recruitment is now 100% open. And that's sort of all you need to know here. Uh, I also like the fact that he's uh, going third-person nickname, Tavani Boogeyman Mizell. So he is stepping away from his Georgia commitment. Seems like Georgia here, um, yeah, I guess you can read between the lines on this in a number of different ways, but one way or another, Mizell stepping away from Georgia, opening up his recruitment. Georgia obviously recently took the commitment of Dwight Phillips, and I don't have a bad thing to say about Mizell. He may go on to be a, a great college running back. Obviously, he has a very good chance to be a very good running back, just given where he's ranked. But if this is a little bit of a reprioritization for Georgia in terms of the style of running back that's going after, I think that could be kind of a good thing. I think one of the things you've seen from Georgia kind of across the board with some of its offensive playmaker recruiting, it seems like as of late that Georgia has put a priority on speed. Some of the wide receivers that's brought into the program, in the case of Phillips, who's kind of listed as an athlete, but at the college level expected to be a running back. That's a guy who's just kind of a blazing speedster type guy. Putting that speed dimension in the uh, Georgia running back room, I think, could be a really good thing. You know, uh, everybody's always going to speculate about what happens when a guy like Mizell uh, steps away from a commitment. Was this Georgia kind of souring on him? Was this Mizell not feeling the love from Georgia? You know, whatever it ends up being. One way or another, the one thing we can know is, okay, the commitment that Georgia recently took was from a guy in Phillips who, from a stylistic standpoint, seems to be a little bit different than what Mizell kind of brings to the table in this particular case. I think what Georgia needs more of is what Dwight Phillips brings to the table. So as we say, in this time of year, it feels like we do this, you know, a few times every year. 
you wish Mizell well. I'm sure he'll land at a great spot. I'm sure he'll go on to have a very good career, as a lot of guys who've been on Georgia's recruiting radar have been. But in the case of Phillips, who Georgia seems to really like at that running back spot for the class of 2024 and probably eventually pairing a running back to go with him, I think Georgia might be in pretty good hands, giving itself a little bit different style of back than it's had in the past. I think that's kind of a fun thing. And so a little bit of a recruiting note. I'll find out from Jeff tomorrow what he thinks about this. He'll be with us as he usually is on Friday, but did want to make you aware of a decommitment from the class of 2024. And to wrap things up today, we talked about uh, Dog Nation daily listeners and viewers uh, taking their Royal Caribbean cruise vacations. In fact, we have a preview of a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation here today as a part of our Golden Shoe. This is unprecedented for Golden Shoe, a request for fan participation. So a lot of you who watch us on video, you know about Matt Rukavina, who comments on various comment sections. He's also active on Twitter. He's Dog in Houston on Twitter. And he's got a request from the rest of our Dog Nation Daily audience about his own upcoming Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. He says, it's my golden shoe nominee here. Which is the better shirt to cruise around with Royal Caribbean next week? And I'm tagging Royal Caribbean there as well. Uh, Matt, very media savvy young man. He says, the winner will be worn for my big uh, 40 on Allure of the Seas next week. So Matt's turning 40. Uh, that's a big deal. Going to be on Allure of the Seas. Very fun opportunity there. And he's got two different choices. The red back-to-back national champions, the national champion world tour t-shirt there as well, and white with the Georgia G underneath that on that. Two great choices. If you want to hit up at dog underscore in underscore Houston, our buddy Matt Rukavina on Twitter, you can weigh in and let Matt choose the t-shirt to rub it in the faces of everybody on the lure of the seas next week that not only is Matt turning 40 in style on a wonderful Royal Caribbean cruise ship, he's also doing so as a two-time national champion. So y'all help Matt out with that. We'll make him our golden shoe winner for today. And we'll let you know that the Florida Gators, they have no such deliberations taking place. Uh, 233 days from right now, it gets even worse. Georgia beats them again in Jacksonville. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. We will see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We will look forward to talk to you then. And on the podcast, time now for the RS Andrews podcast to cool down. We'll take your comments here via Twitter at Dog Nation Daily, comment section at dognation.com. It's interesting to watch the way in which people have really kind of uh, gotten enthusiastic about the future of Stetson Bennett in the NFL. UGAQ writing in, he's at dogs 21 on Twitter, saying that if Stetson Bennett starts an NFL team for one to three years in the organization, he will be in the Super Bowl and might win it. Book it, UGAQ says. Uh, he tagged me in that. So listen, I'm happy to see folks getting excited about Stetson Bennett at the NFL level. I obviously think... Um, you know, what Bennett showed in his college career, validated by what he also did in the NFL scouting combine. I think it makes the case that, that Stetson Bennett has a chance to, to be around the NFL for a long time. I think even Mel Kuyper the other day said he thought he could have a long career. And the way in which the NFL kind of works is, you know, it was the old, what, uh, who was it, Jerry Glanville? Or no, Sam Weish, the former uh, Bengals coach, that said the NFL stands for not for long. Either Glanville or Weish won. Said the NFL stands for not for long. Well, if you can upend that, expectation if you can hang around longer than uh, the typical guy is supposed to then you do put yourself in a position to one day enjoy great success maybe Stetson Bennett will be able to do that I would like that to be the case also I'll mention this uh, you've heard me mention Kaylee Manziel a little bit she's doing some stuff with this on Dog Nation Daily kind of helping behind the scenes a little bit but she's also doing some on-camera work as well Kaylee and I've worked together for a number of years on a high school football 
and she's a part of the Next Generation series with our friends at Palo Window and Door of Georgia on the Dog Nation video channels there as well. So you can get your first look at Kaylee working with Dog Nation. We have wrestled her away from her father, so we're very proud about that. Uh, I say that, not kidding. But uh, yeah, Kaylee's doing some good stuff for us here at Dog Nation. You'll hear us mention her probably a lot more in the time to come. And you can see her with Jeff Sintel. Uh, previewing uh, Monroe Freeling as, a, as the start of a Next Generation series for Dog Nation. So you can check that out there on that. All right, we've got a fun show tomorrow. I'm going to talk about a couple of things here. Uh, Kirby Smart has finally, I think, started to get the coaching credit he deserves. We're going to give you some evidence of that on tomorrow's show and kind of talk about the path he's traveled to get there to that point. I think this will be a fun way to close out our week, uh, assuming no huge story breaks between now and then. That is what we're going to do. So, we will look forward to that then, and we will see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Also, thanks to R.S. Andrews for making the R.S. Andrews cool down possible. Air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric. You better be thinking about that air conditioning unit because it's about to be hot every day. Now, this is one of those things where it's hot for a while, then it's not. But pretty soon, it's going to get hot, and it's going to stay hot. So go ahead and get that air conditioning unit tuned back up to factory fresh specs so you can be ready for that when it gets here rsandrews.com for more on that. We will see all of you back here again tomorrow.